0: Uh, First Samuel chapter 17 says this, Now the Philistines, 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 however you want to say it, gathered their armies together uh, to battle, and they were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah. Now Judah means praise. They were, they, were, they were gathered there, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Soko and... Man, this is testing my, my, my English today. Uh, let's just skip down to verse 4. <laughs> Anyway, verse 2, and Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley in between them. A champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span, which is roughly around 10 feet tall, for he had a bronze helmet and and a brown, bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze, and he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now, the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, and a shield-bearer went before him. Now, mo- most people would read over that, but I was reading it this week, and I... I most of the time, a shield-bearer was larger than the guy that he was going before. Now you picture, like, like Goliath, 10 feet tall, you heard all the stuff that, that he's got going on, but yet he still had a shield-bearer going before him to protect him. Anyway, I just that was interesting to me, obviously not to you, but to me it really was. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you are not the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. For if he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all somebody say Saul and all that means everyone. one Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine and they were dismayed and greatly afraid in other words the whole army was useless even even King Saul scared screwed anybody not yet offended Now David was the son of the Ephrathite of the Bethlehem, uh, Judah, whose name was Jesse and who had eight sons. And the man was old, advanced in years in the days of Saul. The three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to battle. The names of the sons, let's just skip down. So what happened was David was the eighth son. And if you read 1 Samuel chapter 16, David was anointed king. Jesse brought all the sons in, sons in to, to, to be chosen, and he ch- brought all seven in, but didn't invite David. He forgot about David, right? The eighth son, the last child. Anybody with, with me on that? Can you feel me? I was the last child. I've obviously forgotten sometimes. But, but, but David comes, and, and, and he gets anointed king, right? And so most kings at that time would take their seat in the palace but not David, he was back in, in, in the fields being the shepherd boy that he was before he was anointed king. So this is where we pick up the story. And so uh, his, his dad's like, hey David, I know you're king but I need you to take some cheese and bread to the front line for your brothers so they can get something to eat because they're at war. And so here's David, he goes in uh, and, and, and let me pick up a scripture in verse number 20. So David rose early in the morning. He left the sheep with a keeper with another shepherd and he took the things, and he went as his dad had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to the fight and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in, in battle array and army against army. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper. He ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. For then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke... According to the same words, so David heard them and all the men of Israel when they saw the man They fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said have you seen this man who has come up? Have you seen how big he is? Surely he has come up to defy Israel and it shall be That the man who kills the king will enrich with great riches and will give him his daughter and give his father's house Exemption from the taxes in Israel and David said what'd you say? There's a reward? Yeah, there's a reward, David. If you, you, if you kill him, you'll get lots of money. You'll get the king's daughter and also you'll be tax exempt for the rest of your life. So then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered in this manner saying, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, when he had spoke to the men, Eliab's anger was aroused against David and said, why did you even come down here? And with whom did you leave those few little sheep in the wilderness with? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to simply see the battle. David said, what have have I done now? My favorite line in the whole text, is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward the other and said the same thing as these people answered him, and the first ones did. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported to Saul, and he sent him. Then David said to Saul, let no man's, uh, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and, a, and he is a man of war from his youth, but David said to Saul, I'm sorry this is gonna be a lot of scripture, but I gotta read the whole story. Your servant used to keep his father's sheep and when a lion or bear came and uh, took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and I struck it and I delivered that lamb from its mouth and when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard, savage. See, some of you picture David playing a harp. David ain't playing no harp all the time. Like David's a guy you don't wanna meet in the back alley at night. Or at noon at Chick fil A drive thru, like you don't want to meet him. I mean, the, listen, listen, he caught it by its beard, struck it, and killed it. For your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them, seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Go in peace. So Saul tried to clothe, we can we can read all this. Saul tried to put David's armor in, well it didn't fit. That's a message all in itself, be who God's created you to be. You can't wear somebody else's armor, you gotta find your own armor. Anyway, so let's go down to verse uh, 45, then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. For this day, the Lord will, de- will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from." you, and this day I will give the carcasses, I'm telling he's a bad dude, man, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistine to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and then all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into battle our hand so it was when the philistine arose and came and drew near to meet david david hurried and ran down now listen he 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 didn't walk slowly he hurried and ran toward the army to meet that philistine and David put his hand in his bag and he took out a stone and he slung it and he struck the Philistine in his forehead So the stone sank deep into his forehead and he fell onto his face on the earth And so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him But there was no sword in the hand of David He didn't come prepared to fight with a sword He came to prepare with what he had and it was just a few stones and a slingshot Therefore David check it out David knew the Goliath fell now at this point in time like how, did, how does David know that Goliath just ain't fall acting like he's asleep? Like, I'll trick David. I'm going to fall over with a stone in my head. When he gets up, I'm going to strangle his neck, right? I'd have tiptoed up to the giant. But read it. Verse 51. Therefore David ran... And stood over the Philistine, took his sword, and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. I could read them more and more. This thing's got so many more verses in it. But I want to, I'll stop right there. And, uh. If you want to read that, it's 1 Samuel 17, Old Testament. It's a great story. Actually, the whole, the whole 16, 17, 18, and 19 is a great story. Let me pray real quick and we'll get going. Uh, Jesus, thank you for this moment. Thank you for these next 20 or so minutes that we have to share together. God, I pray for your word to go forth. God, I pray for every person here in this room. God, Lord, that day would open up their heart. God, to hear something from heaven. God, the fact is we all have some things in our life that we need to get right and some giants we need to identify. And so God, I pray, Lord, that you start to reveal those to us now, God. But not only help us see them, but God, help us defeat them, Lord. God, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for this church and what it means, God, to our city. And I thank you for our city, God, and why we're even here as a church. And God, we are here to take back what the enemy has stolen. So I pray, God, that you use us, Lord. God, in every place that we go, Lord, give us opportunities to share our faith and opportunities to invite people and to love on people, and it's in Jesus' name that I pray, and everybody says amen. amen. I'm going to start again with a story, and then we'll get going. It's called The Two Brothers, The Two Brothers. There were two evil brothers. They were rich and used their money to keep their evil ways from the public eye. They even attended the same church and appeared to be perfect Christians. Then their pastor retired, and a new one was hired, and not only could the new pastor see right through the brother's deception, but he also spoke well and true, and the church membership grew in numbers. A fundraising campaign was started to build a new assembly hall, and all of a sudden, one of the brothers died, and the remaining brother sought out the new pastor the day before the funeral and handed him a check for the amount needed to finish paying off off the new building. But I only have one condition, pastor. He said, at the funeral, you must say that my brother was a saint. The pastor gave his word and deposited the check in the bank. The next day at the funeral, the pastor did not hold back. He said he was an evil man. He cheated on his wife. He abused his family. He was addicted to drugs. He was a raging alcoholic. And after going on like this for what seemed like hours, he finally concluded his message. But compared to his brother... He was a saint. <laughs> I, I don't know what to bring today. I want to appreciate to you for the next few moments on the subject. Do you have the stones? Do you have the stones? Ask your neighbor. Do you got the stones? You got those stones. Listen, I feel like I feel like just jumping right in today, and and so so I, I feel like everybody in this room, if we're honest. We're, we are we are we are on this journey, so to speak, in faith. Uh, a lot of us are different different areas, different locations, different things we got going on, different struggles that we're facing, different circumstances that we're trying to walk through. We we are all in different places in our in this journey of faith. Some of you haven't even got started in the faith, but today is when you're going to start up in the faith. But where, wherever you are today, you are at a location in your faith journey. Some of us in the faith we are we are we are movers. Like, like we are, we are moving, we are, we are taking ground, we are reading the word, we are, we are growing and we are seeking and we are worshiping and we, we are moving in the faith. We want to grow closer to God. We want to see God. We want to feel God. We want to, we want to be, be in, in the flow of the Holy Spirit with God. We, we are moving. And then there are, then there are some people that are, so they're movers right now. And then there are other people that are vacationing in your faith. You went so far and this far is far enough and you, you decided to set camp and you decided to stop and you decided to say this is good enough and you decided to say I've seen God do enough, God's blessed me enough, I've reached enough, I've given enough, I've worshipped enough, I've served enough, I, I've done a lot, I've been to church in, for 45 years straight, only missed a few Sundays and I feel like I'm just going to set up camp right here, I'm going to vacation in my faith. There are, there are other people today that you find yourself, man, like you are you're not vacationing. You're on the verge of quitting. You're just, I'm done. It's too hard. Ain't fun no more. I don't feel God all the time. All, 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 all the church wants is they just want me to serve more. They just want me to give more. Just want me to worship more. And I'm done. You feel like what's the use and i think if any location that you find yourself at today there's one common de- common theme or common denominator inside of you that is causing you to say the things that you're saying it's because you're you're faced with a giant in your life Amen. you're faced with what seems like something that is insurmountable you are being faced with something that seems too big Something that seems too great, something that's causing you to lose sleep at night, something that is stealing your joy every day you wake up, something that, let's face it, if it takes any, any amount of work at all, we don't want to go through it. Especially in the church today, we want easy faith. We want, we want new levels, but no new devil's faith. We want to experience growth, but we don't want to cut nothing off. And many of us, the reason we fall short of really experiencing what God has for us is because we think that the giant that we're facing is bigger and scarier than he really is. What I love about the scripture is that the battle was found in the place of Judah, The battle was surrounded and was faced and was taking place in the place of Judah, which also is called praise. And the thing, I believe that the reason the giant shows up, because he wants to steal the praise. He he wants, he, he, the only, listen, listen, most giants, can I help you? Most giants in your life aren't 10 feet tall and 700 pounds. Some of your giants you hold between. Nicotine's a giant. Some of of your giants aren't 10 feet tall, but they come in the form of a thing called greed. And some of you are very, very successful and very, very wealthy, but also very, very unhappy. And you wonder why you never seem to be able to, to do more and get more. And, and the more you do get, the more unhappy that, that, that you are because you're facing this thing called greed in your life. And the only way that you really can, 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 can break that, that giant of greed off your life is to have extreme radical generosity take place in your heart. Some of you you're not going to come back because now I just talked about your life. But I'm trying to help you. And I don't care if you're generous to our church, but be generous to the Salvation Army. Be generous to the recovery point. But have this have this generosity break out in your life. I'm just going to tell you the Bible's full of places and full of words on how to live a, a successful life. To whom much is given, much shall be required. And, and it's, it, I, I talked a little bit in staff this week about, the, about our faith is really built on a kingdom of opposites. Like everything the Christian life is all about is the opposite of what culture would want to tell you. Like in the kingdom, it says if you want to be elevated, you first have to serve. If you want to be first, be last. If you want to get... You first have to give. If you wanna, even Jesus came. He, he came not to be served, but to serve. But now, 3,000 years later, what are a bunch of Christian faith-filled people doing back to him? We are serving him. It's always this kingdom of opposites. And so we have all these giants in our life, and we, we think these giants are really big, and these giants are really scary. But can I tell you, the giants that we face, they've already, they've already been set up to be defeated? See, we think like, like giants are these big scary things, but a giant to you could be anxiety in your mind that you cannot break free from. And anxiety is real. And I believe in the healing power of Jesus, but I also believe in the support of medicine. And we need to be okay as a church to talk about it. It's okay to be medicated. Doesn't make you weird. And it doesn't make God weak. But yet some of us were so hell-bent on only gonna walk in freedom when Jesus heals. He may never heal you that way. But he may give you a great doctor that can prescribe the right medicine to help level out the imbalance in your mind to help you operate the right way, that's still healing, that's still freedom. There's, there's giants ca- called depression. Like there's sexual addiction giants. There's these giants in, of sexual addiction and we think it's, just, it's we're, we're, we're doing something great for our life and you, you're going from girl to girl or guy to guy and you feel like, man, I'm conquering the world. And all you're doing is creating sexual soul ties with all types of people that you ain't got no intention of ever settling down and marrying and somehow you think that's gonna honor God? And there's all these these giants that you and I face. And let's be honest, many of us have some things right now in our life that we, we think are just a struggle, but they're really a giant. And if you're not careful, see, the devil will tell you that, that, that the sign of giants means a sign of weakness. But the sign of a giant means the sign of you're about ready to step into your next promise. Giants, giants will always always appear larger than they are. Giants will always appear bigger and scarier and stronger than they really are, right? That, that's the giant, that, that's how the enemy comes in. See, if you read the book, Jesus Christ was from Genesis to Revelation. Then this whole story of David and Goliath was a picture of Jesus and Satan. So when we read, when we read this scripture, don't put you in the story as David. You were never meant to be David. You're the brothers on the line. They didn't have enough faith to fight. Jesus came to be the David, a shepherd boy, to take down a giant called sin and giant called Satan. And so when when, when David cut the head off of the giant and he held it up by the hair of the head, it was a perfect portrayal on a picture of Jesus in the New Testament holding the keys of death hell and the grave. And this whole story is simply pointing to It's pointing to Jesus Christ our savior. And so 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 see I said I got I got lots of stuff. I'm just I've got wrote down here. Sometimes we see the giants as trouble but the giants are simply sent into your life as training. In other words, you want more, you want God to give you more, and so he sends he lets you go through. He doesn't he doesn't send you in he doesn't he doesn't give you something that's bad, but he will he will use temptation as a sign to see where you're at in your faith. Like here's the worst thing you can pray if you if you're just if you're just on the fence of faith, God give me more ground. Like, I constantly pray God to give me more. God, give me a bigger church. God, give me more influence. God, God, open up the doors of, and let, let me be influential in people's life. God, give me, give. I'm, I'm constantly, but I also know when I say that, what I'm asking for on the back end. And so I'll have to, I walk through dark moments. I walk through dark times. I walk through, through moments where I wanna quit and throw in a towel and go home, because sometimes I'm asking God for something that I'm not re- really, really right now, currently ready to walk and inherit. And so oftentimes we will see the giants as trouble, but really they're training in your life. And so God will ask you these questions Where did you run to? When when that circumstance hits you, where did you run to? Did you run to the house? The house? Did you run? Did you run to your small group? Did you run to me? Did you run to the word? Did you run to the pastor? Did, did you run to the church? Did you run to the altar? Did you run to elevation, worship? Did you run to hill song? Where did you run? How did you react? When you had to walk through hell? What was your reaction? Did you react? say, "Yeah, here it is again. I knew God was going to fail me. God, where are you now? God, why did you do this to me? God, why am I having to face this? How, how did you react? And I think he'd ask you, did you have faith? Did you have faith when you walked through that valley? Did, did you have faith when, when that giant seemed, seemed, seemed too big for you to stand up to? Did you, did you have faith when you lost your job? Did you did you have faith when when your kids started living wrong? Did you have faith when you sat down across the kitchen table with your spouse and you contemplated walking away from it all? Did you did you have faith? Did you have faith when you were you were 35 days clean and on day 36 you fell and went back and had to start counting day, back to day 1? Did did you, did you have faith? Because the giants are sent into our life, I believe, as training ground for the next place that God wants to take us. Giants, they can be all different shapes and shapes and sizes and, you know, I got this wrote down if you're taking notes. Every cause has an effect and in most cases the effect drives a cause. The problem is culture loves to complain about the effects but do nothing about the cause. The effects is sin. The cause is your unhealthy heart. See, we, we're a culture, we love to complain about the effects. Oh, poor pitiful me, all oh, this is happening, all oh, this is taking place, but, but if we never go back to the cause of why we're walking in the effect, then all we're gonna do is completely circle this thing called struggle in our life. And all of a sudden the giant that was sent to be a temporary temporary distraction or a temporary training camp. Really, what was going to be? He's going to be the bridge to your next promise. You end up letting him be the door that you never get through. Because you don't face the giant. The, the, this cause that is driving the the effects in your life. I gotta go quick. David showed up on the scene. I love this scripture because David was a, was a shepherd boy. Now, in order to be in the military at that age, you had to be over the age of 20. David wasn't in, in the military. He was found on the backside of the mountain taking care of his father's sheep, which tells me he was under the age of 20, but he was anointed king, which tells me he's over the age of 18. So David's right in the, in the age of being 18 and 19 years old. David shows up on the scene and all the, enemy, all the army, even King Saul, they were all scared. And for 40 days, 40 days and 40 nights, the, 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 the army of God was camped on one side of the mountain, and the Philistines were camped on the other side. And all they did for, the, for 40 days is they would do the same thing. Goliath from Gath, the champion, would come down into the valley and would shout and defile the name of the Most High God. So much so that every time they came, they would retreat into their tents, they would run in fear, they would, they would go as far away as they could. And for 40 days and 40 nights this take place, and Jesse's like, David, I need you to take some food to your brothers. They're getting hungry. David shows up, and sometimes you can just be young enough that you're stupid, right? Like, just so young. That's why I love newly saved people, because they're young and stupid. I mean that in in, in all positivity, in Jesus' name. Well, well, let let me tell you what I mean by that. They ain't had time to be around around a bunch of sour believers that talk them out of the promises of what God can do. Like you just find a newfound believer. Hey, I need to pray for this guy. Let's pray. God's going to heal him. But then you got the guy that's been in church for 30 years. He ain't going to heal him. He didn't heal me. Why would he heal him? But you give me some newfound believers that are on fire for Jesus. Man, we'll, we'll take this city by storm. We will charge the gates of hell with a water pistol. That's how passionate we'll be. And so anyway, David shows up. David shows up, and 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 and, and he takes this cheese and bread to his, and his his brothers. And while he's there, he hears Goliath and Gath man shouting down this this thing, you know, defiling the name of God. And David's like, man, what is this guy doing? What's what's the, what's the story? Like, why are you why are you staying here letting him letting him say that about our God? Like, why don't we do something about it? And everybody was scared, like, what's, okay, if I do this, what am I gonna get? And we all read the scripture, right? Like, he'll, he'll get a bunch of money, great riches, he gets to marry the king's daughter, which if you know anything about David, probably excited him. <laughs> Preacher jokes. And then he, he was, he, he, he had a life full of being tax exempt. How many people would love to get the IRS off your back for the rest of your life? Man, I'll sling a rock. <laughs> and so, so David's like, I'm going to go do it. And so what we don't know is David stopped by the brook on the way to the front line. He picked up five stones. Why would he pick up five? People, a lot of people say, well, he might have missed. But I, that's not why he picked up five. Pe- people say, well, well, why did he pick up five? Five being the number of grace? Was it something? You know, what, what was, why did he pick up five? Well, if you study, David knew, I'm going to battle. And Goliath is going to take one stone, but he's got four brothers that are going to come after him. And I've got to be willing not to just knock knock down one giant, but i got to be willing to knock down all five giants. (laughs) Which, let me tell you, the only giants that will not fall in your life are the only giants that you don't sling a rock at. And let me tell you something else. The giants that you don't fight mom, the giants you don't fight dad, you're leaving to your sons and daughters to fight. So if you don't, if you don't overcome nicotine, your kids are gonna battle nicotine. If you don't break alcoholism off of your life and you think it's okay to casually get drunk, then when you're 55 and your kid's 23 and he gets pulled over for DUI, don't you dare yell at him because he's following in the footsteps that you created him to walk in. You've got to be willing to take your giant down because it's more than just your giant. It's your family's giant. The Bible's full of generational blessings and generational curses. And I'm telling you, you had the power to slay that giant. Let me help you. The giant's already been slayed. You know what you got to do? Climb up on that dead, dead carcass take his sword and cut the head off David David goes and he he goes to the valley and and he takes that slingshot now listen the, the 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 shield bearer was in front of him Goliath was full of armor from head to toe like there was only one little spot he could possibly hit him that would make the difference and so see we all want the platform And we all want the worship leader position. And we all want to be this. And we all want to be that. But when's the last time you were just faithful, taking care of the sheep? Because when nobody saw David being King David, he was still fighting and tending sheep. He was still grabbing that lion by the beard of his face. And so when David got to the valley, he was just like, all right, I've been working all my life. For this moment, he just, I don't think he was nervous and shaking. I'd be like, oh my gosh. He just walked down here. He ran down, got in his pocket, pulled out that stone, put it in his slingshot. This is how I think it's going. See, we all think slingshots like this. No, it was like it was like a leather sack that he would just does it sound real? and planted that stone, I th- I kind of think Dave was like, oh my gosh, I just hit him in the forehead. <laughs> he sees him fall, goes up, grabs his knife, cuts the head off. Let me give you some things. Giants are always found in the valley. Aaron, are you here? Big Aaron? Big Aaron? Big Aaron? Come here, man. Come here. Zion, come here. Come here. I want you to come with me real quick. Come here. Aaron, stay down here. Stay down here. Stay down here. Stay down here. Yeah. Come here, Zion. You, you know, go barefoot. David was barefoot. Good. Stay, stay right there. Get in the center. we we'll get you in the camera. Go, Aaron, Aaron. Yep. Right where that. So this would be what David and Goliath would look like. <laughs> Zion is trying to fight Goliath in the valley. What David needs to understand, come with me, son. What David needs to understand is he has to gain a new perspective. Because he's not meant to fight the giant in the valley. He's meant to fight the giant on the mountaintop. And what he needs to do, he needs to look that giant square in the eye and say, what do you got for me, you big ugly fool? I'm about to hit you in the head with a stone. Whoosh, 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 whoosh. Champion of the world. Good job, buddy. Thank you, thank you. So you've got to gain a new perspective today. You're trying to fight your giant on his terms. I don't know if you know it or not, but we ain't got to fight fair. We've got a secret weapon we got something that is so great and so much bigger than that little Goliath in the valley that we don't gotta come with him with a stone and a javelin and a spear, but we can come at the valley at the Goliath in the name of our Lord, the God of Israel. And they're always found in the valley. It's always found in the valley. And so quit trying to fight fair. Sit down, sit down. cynics today. Y'all trying to get me out of here. You guys got lunch dates or something? I got seven points. I may I get to all seven of them. But what we need to do as Christian people is we need to gain the right perspective. The only reason the giant looks big to you is because you're fighting in his territory. Like, do you understand some of you? Like, this has been on my heart for four weeks. This this, 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 this this giant of, a, of nicotine addiction. And we're gonna break it off tonight, today right here in front of this altar. Here's, here's, here's what I'm saying, some of you are being controlled. I'm trying to, I'm not judging you, I'm not trying to isolate you, I'm trying to get you to think about, you are letting a three inch rolled up thing of tobacco control you? To where you can't even work an hour without taking a break. Like you, 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 you let it control you to the place where you think it's so big, it's not really that big. Take that pack of Marlboro's or cool with a camel on it and put your foot on top of it. It's really not that big. Some of you are letting alcohol, like a case of Bud Light, you're letting that dictate your joy. It didn't buy you, you stopped and bought it. Why don't you just drive past it? Because the giant ain't really that big. Recovery boys, I'm proud of you, man. All y'all, but don't let a needle, a little needle and a rubber band be a giant. Since when? It ain't that big. You gotta regain control of your mind. In other words, we don't have to fight the giant with the stone or the rock. The symbolism here is we fight it with the word. Jesus was the stone that the builders rejected. Why do you think David took the stone into the head of Goliath? Head representing authority. Stone being Jesus. Overcoming the enemy. Why do you think the stone was rolled away three days later? And when it was rolled away it we crush the head of the serpent. I'm just trying to connect all these together to help you understand that you don't have to walk into hell that you've been living in and saying that's just the way that it is. That may be the way that it is, but it ain't gotta be the way that it's gotta be. Is anybody not yet offended in the room today? Because I can keep going. Giants are always found in the valley. Giants, let me give you this one. Giants appear to be bigger than they really are. Giants are generational. Let me give you this one. I'll end on this one. Giants always guard the door to your next promise. Let me teach. Jericho was the giant to Joshua. The Red Sea was the giant to Moses. Pharaoh was the giant to the children of Israel. The furnace was the giant to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The, the, lions, the, the den of the hungry lions was the giant to Daniel. The cross and the tomb was the giant to Jesus. But no matter where you're at, if you go back and read this text anywhere in this book and you see adversity, and you see giants, and you see problems, flip over a chapter. Because the giant was always standing and guarding your next promise. Why do you think you experience hell on earth every time you get to a mountaintop? Because my Bible says we'll go from glory to glory glory. In other words, we have levels in our faith. We have places that we can go in Christ. We, the, the, the whole goal of Christianity is not heaven. It's getting so close to Jesus that you can feel and taste the dust off his sandals. That's, that's, that's the beauty and the reason for our Christian life. And So when you see a giant, hear me, when you see a giant, it does not mean negativity. It means that you are on the verge of the promised land. It does not mean that that would. Here, let me let me say this: When you knock down your giant, it ain't over. First Samuel chapter nineteen, verse seven, I think it is. It says, "Then the war continued. David just David just slayed the giant." You think it's over? No, guess what? There's another problem lying around the corner. So never think that you can let your guard down because every place that you go and you're into a season of faith, you're into a season of blessing, you will always be prepared. There always is a giant around the next corner in the alley. But every giant is guarding your next promise. So when you see giants, don't run. Don't be scared. Stand up. attack the giant at your level, not his. At God's level, not yours. Come on, I'm done today. Jump on your feet today.